Hello, Molo, Sawbona, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Durban. We are part of a global family of churches with a purpose to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. You can find us in big cities like London, New York, Paris, and Joburg. You can also find us in nations like Bangladesh, Botswana, China, and even Hawaii. In Durban, we have a local vision of being a healthy church that starts other healthy churches. Our mission is reach, disciple, impact. We want to reach every person, every campus, and every nation. Join this mission to honor God and advance His kingdom. Good morning, church. Wonderful to have such amazing worship and to see all the kids participating and sending in all those cool videos and pictures. Absolutely amazing. Well, um, I hope that you are ready this morning for the Word, so I want to encourage you, grab your Bible. We are continuing with our series called Awesome God, and today the title of our sermon is Jehovah Jireh, or Yahweh, or Yahweh Jireh. And uh, we're going to be going to Genesis chapter 22 for the Word this morning, so if you Get your Bible out. Let's go to Genesis. Let's go to chapter 22. The scriptures aren't going to come up, so I want you to read it in your own Bible. And uh, and and really, in the series, what we're doing is we're uh, we're looking at men and women who encounter God, and out of that encounter with God, they 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 give God a name, or God gives them a name. And so we're we're seeing these names of God coming out of these encounters with God. And this is what the Bible is. The Bible is, a, this is what our faith is. It's a, it's a, it's a living faith. It's a, it's a faith where we encounter God and we experience God and we get to know God. In fact, if we looked at the Bible as a whole, we would probably say that this book is really about knowing God. It's a revelation of who God is. And so, and what we find in, in the names of God are really pillars in our search for who he is and understanding who God is. Not who we think he is, but who he says he is. So we're going to read chapter 22, but we're going to just, uh, we're going to cross over to our studio in Glenwood. And I've asked my friend, uh, John Ross if he wouldn't mind reading from his Bible this morning. So we're going to cross over there in a moment. But just before we do, I want to just prep you. The chapter that we're about to read in Genesis is one of the most profound chapters in the Bible, okay? This is like, we're not just going to open the Bible and read Genesis chapter 22. I want you to understand that this chapter that we're looking at, that we're about to dive into, is one of the most profound, incredible chapters in the Bible. Why? Well, because in this chapter, what you're going to see is the word worship used for the very first time. The word worship, you know, the, the Bible has this, the well, theologians actually have this rule called the rule of first mention. And whenever a word is first mentioned, it's significant because they're, from that definition of and context in which it's used, we then understand what it means throughout the rest of the book. And so in Genesis, what we see is this word worship used for the very first time. And guess what? There's no keyboard, there's no electric guitar, there's no drums, there's no choir, there's no singing at all. There's not even a cappella going on, okay? What you do see is obedience and sacrifice. 
And so that's what worship is. You know, that's, that's how we understand worship. So worship is much more than just a song. It's a life lived in obedience and sacrifice unto God and His kingdom. So you're going to see that as we go through. Look out for it. The first mention of the word worship. But not only that, what we see is in this passage one of the most clearest gospel presentations Ever. And the fact that this happened like hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came is just outstanding. So without further ado, just uh, JR, are you ready in Glenwood? Can, can we just cross over to our Glenwood studios right now, t- tech team, and, and let's go to JR, who's going to read the word for us. Hi, guys. Uh, can we please open our Bibles? <laughs> Today we're going to be reading uh, out of Genesis, right? The book of Genesis, one of my favorite uh, books in the Bible, uh, from chapter 22, verses 1 to 19. Um, can we please pray our prayer, and then we can get into it. Okay, so, Father in heaven, I commit this time to you. I believe that your plans for me are good, and that everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life healing, direction, and I treasure your word more than my daily bread. I boldly confess that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Okay, so it starts like this. Some years later, God decided to test Abraham. Abraham answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said, Go get Isaac, your only son, the one you dearly love. Take him to the land of Moriah. And I will show you a mountain where you must sacrifice him to me on the fires of an altar. So Abraham got up early the next morning and chopped the wood for the fire. He put a saddle on his donkey and set out with Isaac and two servants for the place where God had told him to go. Three days later, Abraham looked off in the distance and saw the place. He told his servants, Stay here with the donkey while my son and I go over there to worship. 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 We will come back. Abraham put the wood on Isaac's shoulder, but he carried the hot coals and the knife. As the two of them walked along, Isaac said, Father, we have the coals and the wood, but where's the lamp for the sacrifice? Huh? Right? My son, Abraham, answered, God will provide the lamb. Don't lie. The two of them walked on, and when they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar and placed the wood on it. Next, he tied up his son and put him on the wood. He then took the knife and got ready to kill his son. But the Lord's angel shadow from from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, sigh. (laughs) Here I am, he answered. Don't hurt your boy or harm him in any way. The angel said, now I know that you truly obey God because you were willing to offer him your only son. Abraham named this place the Lord will provide. And even now people say, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The Lord's angel came out from heaven a second time. You were willing to offer your only son to the Lord, and so he he makes you his solemn promise. 
I will bless you and give you such a large family that someday your descendants will be more numerous than the stars in the heaven or the grains of sand along the seashore. They will defeat their enemies and take over this, this, the cities where their enemies live. You have obeyed me, and so you and your descendants will be a blessing to all nations on earth. Abraham and Isaac went back to the servants who had come with them, and they returned to Abraham's home in Beersheba. Genesis 22, 1-19. Awesome. Thank you, JR, all the way from Glenwood there, reading the word for us. So there we have it, one of the most profound chapters in the Bible. And what I want us to do is just put our focus in on verse 13 and 14, where we see the name of God, Jehovah Jireh, or Yahweh Yireh, uh, coming out. So let's go to verse 13. It says, Then Abraham looked and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket, and he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. In place of his son. And Abraham named that place. Yahweh Yireh, or, or Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. And what, this is what the proverb is. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Amen. So, this, this, this is where we find Jehovah Jireh in the Bible, okay? I'm sure you've probably heard the term Jehovah Jireh before. I'm sure, you know, it's a really popular name for God, okay? In fact, it's probably one of the most popular names of God. It's like you'll hear Jehovah Jireh everywhere. You'll hear it when people pray. You'll hear it in songs. You'll hear it, you know, it's a common name for God. It's one that we love a lot. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, and it's got a great ring to it. It rhymes, you know. It's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. It's it. No wonder it sticks, you know, in in the world that we live in. And and so typically, our days, now times, what we do is we read this passage, and we see this name, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, and and that part of the story sticks with us. That part of the story, we, when we read this chapter, typically in our times. That's what stands out to us, that's what we, what, what sticks with us, and that's what we walk away with. But what I find very interesting in this passage is that that's not exactly how other people in the time of Abraham saw the story. When they read the story, they didn't get Jehovah Jireh, my provider, out of that. They didn't get that phrase. What they got, it tells us there, they got a proverb out of that story. So obviously I'm imagining that the, this incredible story happens with Abraham and Isaac and then he begins to retell it and he retell it and retell it and then, you know, obviously Moses captures it in scripture and it gets retold and retold and retold. But whenever people read the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac, there's a proverb, there's a meaning, there's a bottom line which they took out of it, which was this. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Today, we read it and we get Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Very, very different. And, you know, we've got modern proverbs. So, like, just to understand what a proverb is, um, let me give you an example. Like, we have a modern-day proverb that goes, 
if at first you don't succeed? Come on in the room. If at first you don't succeed? Thank you, darling. <laughs> try, try, and try again. Or maybe we turn off, turn on, and try again for the more modern generation. <laughs> but that's what, that's what a proverb is. It's, it's, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing of wisdom. And in those days, they had a proverb which said, on the mount of the Lord, and everyone would repeat, it shall be, it will be provided. And when we, when we dive into that proverb, what we, we get is an idea of what Abraham meant when he named that place Jehovah Jireh and what he meant when he said Jehovah Jireh. The proverb says, on the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. And the question I have immediately is, well, what will be provided? And when you look at the story of what happened between Abraham and Isaac and that his son was going to be offered, it's quite clear from the story, the answer is that the substitute will be provided. The offering and the atoning sacrifice will be provided. Now, how do we know this? Well, because for many centuries after the story, when it came time to build God a temple, Solomon chose the very mountain on which Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac as the place for where the temple would be built. Why? Because at the temple, that's where the sacrifices were made on our behalf. That's where lambs would be taken and slain in our place, where, where the, the substitute would be come into our place. And so what we see um, in, in their understanding of the story was that this story was actually a gospel proclamation. It was a story where God would one day provide a substitute for mankind. That mankind is facing death. Just like Isaac was was bound, we are bound in sin. We are facing judgment. We are facing you know, God. We are facing eternal, uh, eternal death. And ju- just like that knife was hanging over Isaac, all of mankind is, death hangs over us. You know, it's imminent. It can it's inescapable. It's about to happen. We are bound in our sins. But just when it looks like it's hopeless for us, God provides a substitute. And the substitute comes and dies in our place. And that's what Abraham meant when he named that place Jehovah Jireh. In fact, when you read verse 8, if you go to verse 8, it says the following. It says, My son, when Isaac asked, where's the lamb for the offering? He said, My son, God will provide... For himself, and actually the correct translation there is himself, the lamb, for a burnt offering. God will provide himself, the lamb, for a burnt offering. This is what Abraham meant. This is what he understood by what was going on. Abraham totally understood the gospel message. And this is the clearest gospel presentation that we have right in Genesis of the, t- of the fact that mankind is bound in sin and God will provide a substitute and God will provide himself as the substitute. I mean, when you look at the similarities between Isaac and Jesus, it's absolutely astounding. I mean, both of them were sons of promise. They were promised, all right? Both of them were miraculous births. Both of them were only children. 
the wood that Isaac, that Abraham took for the offering, he laid it on, when you read that story, he laid it where? On the shoulders of Isaac. And Isaac carried that wood up the hill to the very place where Jesus was sacrificed and nailed on the cross like 2,000 years later. Jesus carried the wooden cross up. Isaac was bound to the wood as an offering. Jesus was bound and nailed to the cross. Both of them just obeyed their fathers. Jesus said, not my will be done, but yours. And he just obeyed the father. And so both of them were even in their thirties when this, when this happened. And so this is, this is a gospel proclamation. This is a prophetic declaration of the fact that God will provide his son in our place. And we know this because in John chapter eight and verse 56, Jesus said the following. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. And my understanding is this, is that as God asked Abraham to go and sacrifice Isaac, he left and he, to a place that he was going to show him. And when he lifted up his eyes, he saw into the future. He understood sin and salvation. And he saw another father and another son going to exactly the same place. And he saw the cross. And he saw Jesus. And he saw the sacrifice that Jesus would make. And he knew. That's why he turned to his servants and he said, the boy and I will return. <laughs> he said a statement of faith. We're going to return. He knew what was going on. He was having a gospel encounter. God was preaching the gospel to Abraham way before it even happened and he put his faith in that cross he put his faith in that salvation and that's why he is the father of our faith he saw Jesus' day and he rejoiced in it says John 8:56 and so he named that place Jehovah Jireh Jehovah will provide himself as the substitute for us Jehovah will Come in and meet our greatest need, which is, is forgiveness for sin and salvation. Which is not exactly how we think of the name Jehovah Jireh. You know, when we think about the name Jehovah Jireh, we think, you know, um, we got bills to pay at the end of the month. We need, you know, more business to come in. We got to pay school fees. We've got to, we need some clothing. We need petrol. We need, we need, we need, we need, we need all these things. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Lord, I know that you are Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. We take the name Jehovah Jireh and we apply it to our felt needs. When they, took the name or Abraham gave the name because it was God supplying our greatest need, which is salvation. So why do we do that? Why do we take, it's kind of like Jehovah Shalom as well. And I I said this in, in the Gideon message, you know, Jehovah Shalom, we also take that name and we understand Jehovah Shalom, the, the Lord, my peace, my peace. We always put my in there, my provider, my peace. And we, and we like think of Jehovah Shalom, the God who gives me peace, the God who gives me peace. But when Gideon gave the name of that place, Jehovah Shalom, what he meant was, no, Jehovah could, ha- could have killed me. <laughs> I'm a sinful man of unclean lips. I'm an idolater. I've got idols in my home and I have encountered the living and holy God and I'm going to die. But instead of dying, he said, peace. 
He said, peace to you. And so he didn't come in war when he could have. He didn't come and slay me like he could have. He had every right to slay me. He had every right to punish me. He had every right to judge me. He had every right to do that. But instead of coming in war, he came in peace. Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. And so we take these names, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Jireh, and they're really actually gospel proclamations. They, they're really declarations of what Jesus would do, that Jesus didn't come in judgment, that he came in peace. He could have come in war with angels and flaming fire. He could have released judgment on the earth, but he didn't. He came as our substitute. He came as a sacrifice. He provided himself. Nobody else could do it. He gave himself to meet our greatest need, which is life and salvation. And that's what the names Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom were meant, what they, what they communicate to us. So why do we do that? Why, why do we take these names and, and apply them to like our needs and our peace and, and, and that sort of thing? I think it's because we are more concerned about our felt needs than our greater true or eternal needs. You know, we are so much more concerned about having money at the end of the month than meeting a holy God at the end of our lives. We're so much more concerned about clothes in these temp- on these temporal bodies but and, and not concerned about clo- being clothed in righteousness. We're concerned about our temporal homes and what they look like but not our eternal homes. We're more concerned about our comfort rather than the kingdom. We're so much more concerned with our felt needs than actually our greater needs, our true needs, our real needs. <laughs> We, we so often in our fallen state don't even see what we really need. And, and what we see in the Bible is that God, not only does He meet our felt needs, but He takes care of our greatest needs. So is it incorrect? I had this question, like when I was going through this. Is it incorrect to take the names Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Shalom and apply them to our personal needs and our, mean, uh, our needs being met? You know what? In a sense, yes, it is incorrect. It's, but in a sense, no, it's also not incorrect. And let me explain why. Yes, it's incorrect because it's not really what Abraham or Gideon meant when they gave those names to God. When Abraham said Jehovah Jireh, he was, he was, it was a proclamation of the gospel. When Gideon said Jehovah Shalom, it was a proclamation that God has come in peace. All right, he's come in peace. He hasn't come in war. He could have. That's what they meant when they say it. But we, but no, in the sense that we cannot limit God's provision and peace to just the atoning sacrifice of Christ. We can't limit it just to that. You know, we might want to defend it and say, no, these are gospel proclamations and let's keep them there. But You just have to read the rest of the story to realize that his provision is not just in our greatest need, but it's also in our felt needs as well. His provision is not just in coming in peace to us, but also in providing us with peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you and I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give. In the world you have tribulation, trial, distress and frustration, but in me you will have perfect peace. So it's not just the peace of God coming to us and saving us in our greatest needs, but there's there's something beyond that. I mean, if you just go read the story, I, I was just taking a quick browse through. He provides Isaac with a wife. Just a little, you know, just a little bit later in the story. Then he provides Jacob with a new name and identity. 
He provides Joseph with dreams of the future and then the ability to interpret other people's dreams. He provides Moses with Aaron, an armor bearer, a confidence, someone who can go with him, you know. <laughs> you know, Lord, I'm too scared to go. So God's like, okay, you can take a friend, take a friend, and provided a friend for Moses to go. He provided the Israelites with a way through the Red Sea and victory over the Egyptians. He gave the Israelites power to create wealth when they were in the promised land and wealth they did create. He gave Joshua courage. He provided Samson with strength. He provided for the widow of Zarephath with with, for, with food. He provided David with giant slaying faith. He provided food for Elijah from ravens. And he paid for the disciples' temple tax with a coin caught from a fish's mouth. <laughs> so what does God provide? Everything. <laughs> he provides everything. He is Jehovah Jireh. He doesn't just meet our greatest need. He meets all our other needs as well. He meets our relational needs. He provides spouses. Amen. Amen. Even from Connect Group. (laughs) Armor bearers. Covenant friends. Confidence. Spiritual family. Sons. Daughters. He provides for our relational needs. Just have a look at the people around you. That is the provision of God in your life. He provides for our circumstantial needs. Like he provides a way out when we need a way out. He provides a way in when we're trusting God for that job. He provides a way in to that company. All right. He provides ways over. He provides ways through. He's even the God of breakthrough. When we need a breakthrough, he provides breakthroughs. He provides for our emotional needs. I think about how many times I've got to my knees and just distress or like I can't figure stuff out and I get up off my knees and I have courage, I have faith, I have vision, I have hope, I have uh, joy. You know, I just, he provides for these emotional needs that we have. And just this last week I heard a testimony of someone struggling with depression and bipolar for years, being touched by God and instantly set free. He provides for those needs. He provides for our material needs, food, clothing, homes. Taxes, rain in its season. Think about the rain coming in its season. There's a provision of God all around us. Think about even right now in this moment what he's providing for us in the word. In terms of church. This is God's provision. In terms of leaders and worship leaders. People who can lead us in worship. People who can teach us the word. What about the gifts of the spirit that he's providing? What about the, his spirit that's working right now in your home and right here? Just all of that is the provision of God flowing in our lives. He is a provider. Full stop, period. He is a provider. Psalm 145 says the following, You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Isn't that incredible? Romans 8, verse 32, Paul said, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? And it's really a rhetorical question. (laughs) The answer is obvious. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, 
of course he's going to give us everything else. Of course we can go to him with our daily needs. Of course Jehovah Jireh is not just for salvation. Of course Jehovah Jireh is for our felt needs as well. Jesus said, look at the birds. They don't sow or reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father provides for them. Aren't you much more valuable than them. His provision not only goes to our greatest needs, but to our felt needs. So can we say Jehovah Jireh and mean it like he's my provider? Absolutely. I, I really, I feel like we totally can, but I'm going to throw in a condition. <laughs> and the condition is this. As long as when we say Jehovah Jireh, we remember the context in which Abraham spoke it. And the context was that God would provide himself as a substitute. God will meet mankind's greatest need, which is salvation. And therefore, how much more won't he meet our every other need as well? So that when we think of Jehovah Jireh, let's not, let's not start with my needs, my money at the end of the month or whatever it is. Let's start with lifting our eyes and saying, no, he's the God who provided for our great needs, the bigger needs. And therefore, because he's provided that, I can then trust him for everything else in my life. Now, you know what? I want to just close with this, this, this thought. Um, this area of God being a provider can lead to a lot of frustration and even hurt in our lives, you know? Um, but why? Why is that? Well, because we all have needs. Amen? Who's got some needs? All right. End of the month, starting up a new month. All right. We, we all have some needs. And typically, we have needs that are felt. They, we feel them. We need this. We need that breakthrough. We need that job. We need to pay that bill. We need to get to that city. We need help with our families. We have these very strong felt needs. And often... What happens is we look to God for those needs and we're expecting Him to provide for those needs and that's a good thing. But often we expect Him to provide for our needs but we forget that He sees the bigger picture of of our needs. He sees what we really need. We know what we feel we need. He sees what we really need. Um, Let me illustrate this for you. As As a parent, I provide for my children, right? Okay, all the parents out there, that's what we're doing. We, we're coughing up school fees and buying new school shoes at this time of the year and all of that. <laughs> so as parents, we provide for our kids. But as a parent, I'm not just concerned about my kids' felt needs, but rather their greater needs, their true needs. So how it works in my house is kind of like this is, it's typically one of my one of my children will will have a felt need, and it's and in my house it's normally a skateboard or a surfboard or shoes <laughs> that uh, is is a felt need, and and they feel like it's so important, and they look to me to provide that, and sometimes it's right for me as a parent just to get in there and and meet that need, but often I can see that there is a greater need than that felt need that they have. Sometimes I can see that their greater need is actually diligence and they need to learn how to save for something. Sometimes I can see that their greater need is actually school books and so 
I'm going to provide that instead of another surfboard. Sometimes I can see that actually they're getting caught up in materialism. And so me just jumping in and meeting that need is going to feed that thing in them. So as a parent, I can see not just, I can see beyond their immediate need. They can see their immediate need. They can see their felt need. But I can see beyond that. I can see the direction of their lives. I can see the direction of their hearts. And, and sometimes it's right for me to get in there. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes there's another way to do things. And you know what? It's the same with God. Is he Jehovah Jireh? Yes, he is. Even when our felt needs are not being met. Even when our, what, what we really want is not being met, he is still Jehovah Jireh. You know, I was thinking with my kids, you know, sometimes I can jump in and save them with their needs, but sometimes I actually have to hang back and let them learn how to figure things out themselves. Not just jump in and help them, but use their wisdom, use their creativity, use their resourcefulness. And if I step in, Sometimes I can actually damage them for the future or rob them of, of growth. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. Just like you see a, a butterfly struggling out of a cocoon. And it's, you know, it's, it looks, if you've ever seen those like National Geographic, you know, films with a butterfly trying to get out, is trying to get out. All that I want to do is just, you know, rip that cocoon open and, and let the thing go. But that would be totally the wrong thing to do because in the process of, of coming out of that cocoon, it's flexing, it's, Muscles? Do they have butterflies? Have muscles? They have, they have muscles. I got a nod from the bio Kim guy at the back. <laughs> they they got muscle, butterfly muscles. Okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just seeing butterflies with muscles now, and and they and they flexing those muscles, getting out of that cocoon, and it's those very muscles that then enable them to fly. And so often we are struggling with felt needs and we're struggling with circumstances and we're saying, Lord, why are you not coming through? Why are you not meeting this need? Why are you not paying this bill? Why are you not getting me out of that thing? Why are you not doing that? And sometimes it's right for him just to come in and save us. And I'm sure most of us have those testimonies. I've got those testimonies. I've got those testimonies where God just comes through, man, and he's paid something and he's done something and he's just brought breakthrough and whatever amazingly but there are times where he's allowed me to, to, to grow through the process, where he's, I've had to use my resourcefulness, my creativity, my, my ingenuity, my skills, and, and learn new things and, and meet new people and, in order to see the breakthroughs that I want. And so, is he Jehovah Jireh? Yes, he is. There's so much he's providing you with just right now in this moment. Just being able to watch this the, on the internet with a device, with eyes, with health, with you know friends, just every the family around you. There's so much provision coming your way. You know, this is the thing about children as well. They don't often see what they are being provided. They don't see the protection. They don't see the the, the, the bills that are being paid. They they don't see the the greater picture. All they see is the felt need. What what is right in front of them. And and guys, we have to mature beyond just seeing our felt needs to knowing that when we say Jehovah Jireh, He's a God who sees our greater need. He's the God who sees beyond. Um, our lives. He sees the need of the world. He sees 
um, how our lives affect every other life as well. He's, he's in control of all of that. He is Jehovah Jireh even when we're not getting our felt needs met. And so, you know, I just wanted to, to close on that and just say, whatever your circumstance is right now and, and whatever it is, don't be frustrated with God. Don't be like, God, why aren't you, why don't just hold so tightly to that felt need. Rather choose to have faith that He is Jehovah Jireh, that He knows better. Even, even in the situation right now, He, lift up your eyes and see how great His provision is all around you. Just, and, and accept and, and rejoice in that and worship in that and believe that, that He knows better in every situation. Amen? So Father, as we wrap this word this morning, I just pray for everyone who's, who's watching and listening to this word. And I pray just that Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Jireh, that you would come and be real to every single one of us right now. That you would help us to, to let go of the things that we're just, that are, that we're holding on to too tightly. That we would be able to lift up our eyes this morning. And see your provision all around us. To see what we have in you. How much is ours in your name. And Lord, I ask that you would come through in every circumstance where there is people, where people are trusting you right now. That you would show your name strong. That you would come and show that you are Jehovah Jireh. That you would provide. That you would bring the breakthrough. That you would bring the way out. That you would heal. That you would deliver this morning. Wherever there are people right now with with desperate needs father we stand in faith for a complete breakthrough that you would show your name strong in these circumstances that you would come in your power lord that you would come in your might that you would come in your strength and deliver and set free in jesus mighty name amen amen bless you family over to you guys. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.endurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.